We turn this evening in God's Word to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is where our scripture reading will be from tonight. Before we begin our message, I'll ask Brother Veldman if he'd pray once again. Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless us as we consider the great salvation we have through Jesus. We know that the world has all its own ways of being saved, probably mostly through works, but we give thanks that you have ordained it, that we would be saved not of our own works, but through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name, amen. And amen. Man says one thing regarding our salvation regarding how it is that we are to be saved. Man has a certain set of beliefs, principles, about how that is to be obtained. God, however, in His Word, is very plain about what that salvation looks like. I recall when I use the expression, man says, we're talking about man as unbelieving, man as unregenerate, unsaved man pagan man. They have their own way of understanding salvation. The Christian, listening to the Word of God, listening to the one who is indeed the creator of all, the one who is the ruler of all, listen to him and hear a completely different message that is being sounded forth from the Word. Let's go down through what man says before we read from Hebrews chapter 10. And and I've, I've put together, what, eight different statements. And there's probably more. There, we could probably add to this. But I think this, this pretty much paints the picture of, of most people out there, most people who are not believers, most people who are not Christians, most people who do not take the Word of God seriously. If, if you were to go out on the street simply with a microphone and, and begin asking about the question of how is man saved, these probably are the answers that you would receive in our society today. In the world today, one, there would be those who would simply say, there is no life after death, so it doesn't matter. You're asking a question about salvation. There is no salvation, there's no need for salvation, for we live and die and that's it. So there's not even the contemplation of sin. There's not even the contemplation of salvation. You know that, uh, because I've referenced it before, um, on my way to church on Sunday mornings, I usually listen from the time I leave the driveway to the parking lot here at church, and sometimes I sit in the parking lot and listen a little bit longer. Not because I'm being treated to such great theological expertise, but sometimes I'm, I'm just appalled at what goes on out there in the church world. And and there's a radio program on on wood uh, at that time in the morning, and usually I I think there's sometimes two Roman Catholic fellows, uh, sometimes it's a Roman Catholic priest, an Episcopal priest, and there always is included uh, a woman minister out of the Reformed Church of America who teaches 
religious studies at Grand Valley State University. This morning, they, they were dealing with the topic of little faith, faith, as the size, faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. One of the gentlemen made the statement, he said, well, I think everybody has some faith. And the other two were like, I can't believe you just made that statement. It is so, and, and they pretty much took him to task. It is so apparently obvious that not everybody has the faith that Jesus is talking about in the text. But then the, the, the woman, uh, the pastor, uh, says, she said, in my last class, I'm, I'm correcting papers that were due last week. And one of the questions that I asked the students was this. How much validity should religious text have? And she said, the majority of my students do not believe that religious texts have any validity because there is no higher authority. On the one hand, I'm, I'm just sort of chuckling over this because I'm thinking, okay, we have a woman pastor who's teaching religious studies and the answer to the question about the authority of religious texts that she has been teaching shocks her. Something isn't quite jiving in all of that. Something's not quite all going together. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, well, this is exactly where we are at. These students taking this class do not believe there is any life after death. They don't believe in sin. They don't believe in any higher power. This is it. You just live for today, and tomorrow you die. So there isn't even on their radar screen the talk of salvation. It's not even a discussion that they have. It's the world that we encounter out there today. B, salvation is not needed because there is no sin. There is no right and wrong. Because there is no right and wrong, there's no need for salvation. Everybody is always right. And you might say, it's not that you need to argue with me and say, well, that just doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't make any sense. But that's the view. That's what man in our culture says today. See, everyone is going to be saved. Their view of salvation is this. Everybody's going to go to heaven, except the really bad ones. Now, of course, you, know, you, you, you and I raise the obvious questions. Well, what happens to the really bad ones then? But that's almost a question they don't even answer. They don't even think about. They, that, that way they don't even process because the number of folks who are the really bad ones are so small that they don't bother thinking about it. They just think everybody's going to go. That's why, you know, you read the obituaries and everybody's up in heaven fishing. Because there's no profession of faith, there's no Christ, but everybody makes it. 
That's just the view that's out there. Well, some people get a little bit more sophisticated in their view. That's what you have in D. Salvation is earned by doing good. There, there is a belief in an afterlife, and you get to that afterlife, you get to the good side of the afterlife by doing good things. Well, what are good things? Well, that's whatever the majority of people think is good. It's not what God thinks is. Right? It's just the majority of folks. So if the majority of people in society think that you're going to be saved because you plant trees, then you're going to be saved. Because that's what a majority of people think. If a majority of people think that it's a good thing to drive a car that gets 40 miles to a gallon or is an electric car, then you're going to be saved. Because that's what a majority of the people think is a good thing. And as long as you're doing that which the majority of people think is good, you'll be saved. And if you step back from that one, friends, is that not really the political pressure of today's society? Is that really not what's going on? People just put pressure on people to do what they define as good in order that their career can be saved. E, salvation is gained by being sincere in any religion. As long as you're a sincere Buddhist, as long as you're a sincere Hindu, as long as you're a sincere follower of Judaism, as long as you're a sincere follower of Islam, you're going to go to heaven. As long as you're a sincere New Ager, you'll go to heaven. As long as you're a sincere Scientologist, you'll go to heaven. Just need to be sincere. As long as you're sincere, you're in. All paths lead to salvation. F. Salvation is by the teachings that a particular religion state. So here we'd go. If we if we have a, a person who is a practitioner of the religion of Islam, and we ask that person, how are you saved? That religion responds, well, if you do this and this and this and this, then you shall gain an eternal life. You go to Judaism and ask Judaism, how are you saved? And they say, you do this and this and this, and that's how you gain. You go to a Buddhist or a Muslim or to, to a Hindu, how are you saved? You follow these particular rules and tenets, that's what gives you salvation. Host of people fall into that category. Or, G, you have this. Jesus' death made salvation possible, but we must add our own good works. There you have your classic definition of Catholicism. Jesus made it possible, but you cannot be saved on Jesus alone. That's not enough. Jesus alone is not enough. Christ alone is not enough. There has to be more. You have to add more to it in order for there to be salvation. Or you have H. Salvation isn't about atonement for sin. You're asking the wrong question. These folks would say, you're right in talking about salvation, but the salvation we need is not salvation from sin, 
The salvation we need is in the finding of one's full potential in God. That which Rob Bell sells. That's what that is. That's what he sells. That's the propaganda. That's the hype. See, it's not dealing with sin. It's Jesus died so that you could unleash the full potential of who you are. Now, this is not Bob Van Manen coming up with this, but, but many other theologians examine what's happening in that modern church world, in that kind of church environment, that kind of hype that's, that's taking place. And what, what they really say is this is nothing new than the false teaching of Gnosticism of the first century. This is what the New Testament is already dealing with within the church. Those who, who want to say that sin is not the issue. It's your potential that is the issue. And of course, we hear that sounded in so many ways in our culture today, don't we? You know, all you got to do is release your full potential and then you'll gain peace and assurance and everything else. Then you'll become the person God really meant you to be. Is that really what God says about salvation? Pick any one of those eight. Is that really what God says? Does God tell us at all that any one of those statements resembles at all that which His Word says? Now, once again, even on this subject, even as we had with creation, even as we had with authority, even as we had with man as God's image bearer, the world has one way of thinking and understanding this, being led by the deceptive lie of Satan. But God states clearly, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read. Verse 1, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared to me, for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, and I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thus far the reading of God's word. Second point, God says. What does God say upon this issue of salvation? Does God tell us it's necessary or, nah, you don't need it? How, how does God look at this situation? Well, leave Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. We'll come back to that and journey back with me to the book of Romans. Let's start there. The book of Romans, and let's start in the third chapter. And I know for many of you, these are just basic reminders. But they're necessary reminders in the day and age in which we live. They're necessary reminders when we seek to be salt and light in this world when we seek to fulfill the Great Commission, when we seek to engage people about the subject of Christ, when we seek to be that fragrant offering, when we seek to be that aroma of Christ, we also need to make sure we get it right. Remember in the Old Testament, God gave a specific recipe. That's what's going on in the book of Leviticus. All those sacrifices we read about this morning where it says in God said, ah, sweet smell. Why? Because the rules, the regulations, the precepts were followed. What does that mean for us in the New Testament? It means we've got to give the gospel right. What does the rightness of the gospel include? One, it includes the fact that salvation is necessary because of sin. Romans 3. Verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We've just described mankind. There is none that is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul writes. Turn forward just a little bit in the book of Romans to the 6th chapter. Romans chapter 6. 
Go down to verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit are you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What does God say? God says salvation is necessary because of sin. Well, who's sinned? All have sinned. Every human being has sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. What is the punishment? Death. Death. Not just physical death, spiritual death. Damnation. Hell. We need a Savior. We need to be saved. We are all in the same condition. We all enter this world in the very same condition. Sinful. In sin. Psalmist said, did my mother conceive me? That means from his very moment of life. Sin is present. And if there's sin, the wages of sin is death. That's what God says. Now you'll find a lot of people out there in in the realm, a lot of mankind will poo-poo that, laugh it away, not pay any attention to it. But that's what God says. Secondly, God defines how salvation is to come to us. Three ingredients are needed and necessary. God defines for us and says, listen, salvation is only by one, blood, two, man, three, perfection. Grant, if you would, please. Now, because I'm going to go through a number of Scripture passages here, okay, I chose this means okay, because we, we have a number of passages to go through. Why is blood necessary? Why is it necessary that there be a shedding of blood? Because God declared it. Leviticus 17, 11, If any one of the house of Israel or of strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. If one is going to be saved, atonement, if one's sins are going to be dealt with, God said the means by which that is going to occur is through blood. That's why God said, I don't want you drinking it. I don't want you eating it. Blood is off limits for you. Because blood belongs on the altar. If we're going to spill blood in sacrifice, it belongs on the altar. That's where it goes. Why? Because... It is the blood that makes atonement by the life. 
Hey, Grant. There we go. Has to be by man. Whoops. Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise, Christ himself likewise, partook of the same things, that through death Christ might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. What is God saying? It is necessary for your deliverer to have flesh and blood. Your deliverer can't be a bull. Your deliverer can't be a dove. Your deliverer can't be a tree. Your deliverer can't be a stone. Your deliverer has to have flesh and blood. That's why Christ came with flesh. That's why He came with blood. He came as a man. He came as a human being. Like us in every way, the book of Hebrews is going to go on to tell us. Sin accepted. It was necessary. God said, I'm going to save, I'm willing to save, but it's got to be by blood and it's got to be by man. Hebrews 10 verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. There's no other means. You can't offer any other sacrifice to take away sin. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. You know how the rest goes on? So life comes through one man as well. Man. Man is the cause of sin entering this world. Man is is therefore the means by which salvation is to be found. But that man needed to be perfect. Why? Leviticus 22, 17 through 21. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of the house of Israel or of the sojourners in Israel presents a burnt offering as his offering, for any of their vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord. It is to be accepted for you. It shall, if it, if it is to be accepted for you, it must be a male without blemish of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. So you have this whole Old Testament pattern okay, that we were looking at in, in, in Leviticus this morning. All of those, ah, sweet-smelling aroma. Why was it sweet-smelling? One, they were following, picking out, using that exactly which God had measured out and told them they had to use. Two, it was without blemish. God smelled those offerings on that altar. Ah, sweet-smelling. Why? Because there was nothing to mar. There was no sin, no blemish. That's what God was picturing there in those requirements. 
If they wanted it to be used as that which would bring atonement from sin, God said, it's got to, it's got to be perfect. It's the only kind of offering I will accept for the atonement of sin. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. So you can't buy it. You can't buy your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. You can't offer an animal for your salvation. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. God said three things are required. The sacrifice has to be with blood. That'll make atonement. The sacrifice has to be by man. That will make atonement. But the sacrifice also has to be perfect. Can have no sin. So we need a perfect man offering a blood sacrifice. It's the only way salvation. That's God saying. Man says, oh no, we can do this, we can do that. God says, no, the only way salvation can be achieved is a blood sacrifice by a man who is perfect. Only through Jesus. You know, put these passages together with that. John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming forward and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A lamb that's going to be slain. Its blood is going to be shed. A lamb that is without blemish and perfect. A lamb that is a man. Blood, man, perfection. Salvation through Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Blood, blood, blood. Not the acts of Jesus, not the teachings of Jesus, not the thoughts of Jesus, not even the love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Your salvation, my salvation, is only through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, Lamb of God. Salvation through no other name. Hebrews 9, 11-14 But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all through the holy places, not by the means of the blood of bulls and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more? You say, what was that you just read? The Old Testament, if people came with various ailments, skin diseases, blemishes on their skin. There was a process that God set up. You go to the priest. The priest takes this special anointing water that is made up with the ashes of a heifer. And then you come back in seven days. 
the spot has disappeared, you're cleansed. If not, you need to be put out of the camp. If, (laughs) through that process, somebody could have their skin, their flesh, purified, how much more? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What does God say? Salvation is needed. Salvation is necessary. I think I'm finished, right? Okay. Salvation is needed. Salvation is necessary. Okay. Salvation is possible only by a perfect blood sacrifice offered by a perfect man. Salvation, then, only, only through Jesus Christ. Only through Christ. Isn't that what Hebrews 10 is telling us? Isn't that where we're going with this? But when Christ, it's Hebrews 10 verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand. Only in Jesus Christ, when Christ, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not you, not me. When Christ had offered. Salvation can be only through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And it's not only only in Christ, it is completely in Christ. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice. It's complete. It's done. That's why he sits down. It is finished. It is done. It is over. And the Father says, come, sit. Your work as the Savior is done. It is completed. Nothing more needs to be added. There's nothing else that needs to be done for there to be salvation. It's not, yeah, I know Christ died on a cross, but now, don't I have to? No, I don't have to. Salvation is through Christ. That's what God says. Completely in Christ. Finished in Christ. It's not like, oh yeah, he's still working on it. Salvation's still an ongoing process and yeah, he'll he'll be finished. Did you catch that line? About the fact that that Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has, what? Perfected. Has 
perfected. Not is perfecting, not will perfect, but by a single sacrifice, Christ has perfected for all time. Your salvation is done. It's done. It's over. It's complete. Say, well, what's going on now? You're being sanctified. But your salvation is done. He has already perfected you. It's an amazing thing to stop and think about, isn't it? Think about that in in terms of those things that we have on the other side of the sheet here. The hopelessness, the despair, the the anxiety, the the wondering, the questioning, am I going to get there, am I not? Will I be saved? Won't I be saved? Outside of those, of course, who are are simply the, the atheist and are denying it all. But those who have some, some religion about them. What a horrible life that must be. You're never there. How do you know if you're sincere enough? How, many, how do you know if you've done enough good works? How do you know if you've truly unreleased all of your potential? You never know. But as a Christian, as a believer, God says you can know. Your salvation is done. He has perfected you. In the eyes of God. Saints, you are perfect. That's what His Son did. It's no wonder. It's no wonder we're the aroma of Christ to Him. It's no wonder when He looks at our hearts and looks at our lives, He goes, Ah, there's somebody who is perfect in Christ. Man, it smells good. Because Christ has perfected them. Our sacrifice, our fragrant offering, our aroma in Christ is a perfected aroma to the Lord. Salvation only through Jesus. Only in Christ. Completely in Christ. Finished in Christ. My friends, let me just say one more. It is assuredly in Christ. He has perfected. Yeah, but what about tomorrow, Pastor Bob? What about next week, Pastor Bob? What about two years from now, Pastor Bob? To those who are in Christ, they have been perfected. Oh, what does verse 14 say? For all time. For all time. Man may say, oh no, you can lose your salvation. God says, no you can't. No you can't because I did it in Christ. And I have perfected you for all So who do you believe? 
Who do you believe? Who do your children believe? What are your children being taught? What is the culture teaching your children? Who's winning? Who's winning that battle for your child's mind? Who's winning that battle for your child's heart? See, we're in a a new war. We keep talking about that in in terms of the nation. But we've got to talk about this in terms of our Christianity. We're in a new war. This is different. The enemy has different tactics. The enemy is coming at this from a different standpoint. The enemy is coming at this from a position of worldly power and strength. The enemy is no longer needs to cower in the back room. The enemy can now be in the front of the room. Satan no longer has to hide. He parades this in the church. And people would rather flee and go, well, you know, they've got a little better music. But they don't have the gospel. This enemy has a different tactic, my friend. We need to be aware. We need to be aware, not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We need to be open and aware to see what's going on. And how do we counter that which is meant man? Listen to what God says. Yes, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. But I've provided a means. I've provided a blood sacrifice on your behalf. I've provided a man to be in your place. I provided a perfect man without blemish to accept the punishment that you deserve. And that man is my son, Jesus Christ. And if you look anywhere else, you will not find salvation. But if you look to him, Your salvation will be complete. Your your salvation will be final. And your salvation will bring you great peace. Amen? Amen. Father, Jesus paid it all. And because of that, all to Him Io. In Christ's name, amen.